0: Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's Cynthia Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, We have a fan favorite, Shane O'Neill, who has been on the podcast a a bunch of times now. Um, For a while, we were doing, uh, the three of us, myself, Shane, and Drew, we were doing a, I don't know, bi-monthly interview together, kind of a roundtable discussion type vibe. And Drew had his third kid, so he has been busy, as you can imagine. But Shane and I have managed to still uh, chat every couple months. And last time we chatted was in March. That episode is our third most listened to episode of all time, and I think people really have resonated with some just some of the stuff we discuss and the way we go about it. So I was super excited to get him back on today. We talked a little bit about why sometimes in your pursuit of sexual freedom you actually make it worse by focusing too much on just trying to quit something instead of being focused on what's ahead who you're going to become and what you're going to accomplish when you become that person and you know this I think I think hearing that it sounds like maybe some personal development kind of language or talk but we really went deep on the theology side of it and Mago Dei we talked a little bit about why, um, why this is so hard and why sometimes you don't have the vision fully defined, but you at least know the values or the principles you want to live by. And it was really cool. Shane really brings out a a neat part of me. And I I hope that I bring out a decent part of Shane as well. Uh, But we had a really good conversation together. And I think you're going to extract a lot of value from it, especially if you're in the position um, where you've tried a bunch of stuff, you've tried to, to, to get free already, you've taken a bunch of programs you've done a bunch of courses and you feel a little bit hopeless we talk all about how to overcome that hopelessness how to dream um, and how to just uh, not get so caught up in all the stuff we're doing wrong and how to redirect our focus and this is a very basic concept in in its complexity like it's not actually that complicated But it is really hard to actually execute and so we tried to share personal stories we had a a couple tangents here and there, some really interesting ones and um and also we tried to be practical and so i think you're going to get a bit of everything and i know it's going to help you live a life of more freedom and a greater recovery so without further ado let's jump into my conversation with shane o'neill so here's the million dollar question how are men like us who work hard have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathia Sam, welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Well, Shane, here we are, man. Back for another round. Another kick at the can. How you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing well. Yeah. Life is uh busier than I want it to be. There was there was a stretch, a stretch of maybe like two or three months where I had to start owning the language of sinfully busy. Mm. Uh there was no like, oh, we're doing this for the kingdom or like doing this because <laughs> like this is what God asked us to do. We're just being faithful. I like, couldn't even like wrap it in like pseudo spiritual biblical language. It was just like, no, no, no. Like we we're we're compromising life and peace and relationships. And this is this is not okay. Yeah. You know, like this isn't okay. We're sinfully busy. But we've been uh Kaylee, so we, I'm just I'm not using like the uh majestic plural. I don't refer to myself in a plural way. <laughs> Me and Kaylee uh have been out of that uh maybe for like a month. And it's been really good just to breathe. Yeah. and to be with her and to reintegrate with relationships and whatnot. So thank you. Thank you for asking.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. We, uh, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this to my listeners. I i just mentioned it to you before we hit record. Our last conversation together is our third most listened to episode of all time. And uh, that that's pretty cool. So, you know, we talked about spiritual disciplines okay. and all that kind of stuff. And I actually, I remember in that conversation being like, if I actually tell people the full extent of my spiritual disciplines, I feel like it's going to become nauseating because it, I, I do so much sometimes. And it's funny what you're describing because that's what I've been going through lately as well, where I'm like, man, I am doing so much because they're all good things. And just because you're doing a bunch of good things doesn't mean they're actually good for you. In fact, at some point, yeah. too many good things becomes bad for you. I think that was something you had you had said when we were talking earlier and yeah. so that's cool that you're breathing a little bit. I'm suffocating right now, not suffocating, but I'm running out of air as I was telling you. And I think, uh, I think in another week or two, I'll be breathing and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Amen. Yeah. No, as, as long as there's like some sort of Sabbath on the horizon, yeah, like you can push, but like pushing, just like blindly hoping you'll step into light. It's a really like, it can be a very despairing sort of way of going about things.
0: Yeah, it is, man. It really is. So, uh, this is actually a pretty good segue into a topic that you and i both wanted to discuss today which is i guess there's a danger when you talk about sexual integrity and getting free of porn addiction and other sexual misbehavior is that we actually make the thing that we're trying to avoid the object of our attention and focus and we kind of shoot ourselves in the process i remember reading a, a leadership book one time and it was talking about how there's a difference between telling somebody don't do that versus here's what I want you to do. And the point they were making is if you say don't do that, all you're doing is drawing their attention to the thing you don't want to do. Like, hey, don't, you know, whatever, don't fill up that spreadsheet that way. Like it could be very simple and systematic or whatever. But when you tell somebody, hey, here's what I want you to do instead, it's very different because you're redirecting their attention to the thing that's actually going to push them forward. Um, Did you experience that in your own recovery efforts? Like, did you ever catch yourself trying so hard to not do the thing that it actually just became a new obsession
1: for sure yeah there's like some law language in there too of like you know uh i don't know when you're walking through a building and it says do not touch wall wet paint and you're like the first thing you want to do is just put your hands right on it or like a roller coaster it's like keep hands in and you're just gonna throw them out you know it's just like uh it's almost like an invitation to do the opposite yeah um and there's something in our nature that just just naturally rebels against it. Yeah, I, I think don't don't trying not to do something is still like fixating on it, and there's still a lot of idol orientation. Like it is still an idol that I'm trying to orient around. Like I'm I'm my day is revolving around it. My my awareness, my conscientiousness, my relationships. I'm still trying to figure out how to posture myself around this thing you know yeah and so it's a really weird way of going about dethroning an idol in your life so yeah i found i find that like a positive vision uh is so much more powerful and meaningful than a negative vision like Hmm. moving towards a positive vision um because like what like we were talking about earlier if if we're just running through Darkness, hoping we find light, then, like, kind of what's the point? Yeah, uh, it can be really quite despairing. But if we're running through knowing that there's light, knowing what we're headed towards, then there's promise and there's hope, you know, like that proverb, hope deferred makes the heart sick, you know, and it's like, that's so true. That is so true. Hope is really risky and fragile, and we want to make sure that we're engaging it properly and rightly. You know, that we're not yeah. being exploited by whatever it is we're putting our hope in.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. And I think um I think we you you can't do it without concerted effort. Like your brain will naturally just gravitate towards obsessing over the thing that you're trying to not do, the thing you're trying to avoid. And I know for me, I grew up very sin conscious, like in, in my church environments, and it was all about not sinning and if you sin, then like get for, ask for forgiveness as quickly as possible. Like it was always about keeping the slate clean, so to speak. And not, not to say that we want to be numb to sin, of course, but it was really helpful for me in my spiritual formation to, to kind of, I guess, um, develop that consciousness for the, the grace, well, the mercy of God for starters in spite of my sin, but the grace of, of God in my life to not sin, uh, any Mm -hmm. further. And, that mental shift really shifted a lot for game for your porn. And I think also just me stepping into more of the man God made me to be, I, I guess I'm curious for you, how did, how did things shift for you? Like did, was there a point in your own journey where you start to become a lot more conscious of things that were pushing you forward and how did you start to delve into that? Yeah,
1: I think, uh, <clears throat> initially, um, you know, like all of our growth is just, is just Jesus discipling us. Um, so like, I think in, initially Jesus in his kindness would like allow it to play to my hubris in some sense where it's like, Oh, like pornography actually jacks up gray matter in our neurobiology. So like pornography actually makes us dumber, you know, like it, yeah. it, it doesn't allow us to um, buy our neurons in like consistent ways. It overstimulates the brain doesn't allow us to like actually absorb information and like be be present to it, you know, like our, our attention spans all jacked up, especially with how tube sites where we have like multiple videos running at the same time. And we're just hopping, 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 hopping until we get to that climax. You know, we're like building our own, um, Montage using different bodies and positions to like get to this climax. And it's like yeah that's really that's it makes you it makes you dumber you know and it was like initially i was like <laughs> oh, i don't want to be dumb you know like i'd always uh just had a very puffed up uh taking myself very seriously when it came to my mental acuity and i think initially it was like no like i think that was the first time i got like well no I i i like that i like exploring life with my mind uh, and I like being able to do that. And I did start to see like my memory and different things slowly start to erode. And mm. that was very discouraging for me. And so it, I think it was that that was just a very gentle way of Jesus initially giving me a positive vision. Like, well, what, what sort of human being do you want to be? You know, yeah. like what sort of faculties do you want to have? And then from there it really became relationships. Um and I saw how it would mess up, especially in my singleness, where like I'd, I'd be in coffee shops or different things like that, and I'd have that question whenever somebody would walk in that was attractive. It's like, oh, could that be the one? It was just like this weird, like fantasy or whatever that would play out in my head, mm-hmm. uh, and I realized that it was, I was being indoctrinated into a very kind of like um, impoverished way of living. And it was a very, it was all because of this negative vision that I had. And so what does it look like to have a positive vision of being a man who is safe relationally for men and women, who can be a brother, who can be innocent and pure and true? It's just like, I, I just never really dared dream of myself that way. Kurt Thompson, neurobiologist talks about like, you can't become what you can't imagine. Mm, you know, wow. and, uh, and this is a really loaded statement. And so learning Jeez. to, yeah, so like learning to actually engage hope, like we we're talking about earlier, learning to engage it in a way that I hadn't before. Wow. Um, so that was some of the, this is kind of the origin story of my Jesus teaching me to have a positive vision about such things. But I'd be curious about you, or it's like, okay, instead of just avoiding pornography. oh, Okay, real quick. um. It was it was a, a monumental, like a, a monumental uh development in my relationship with pornography and sexual integrity was getting to the place where I could say I hate porn. Mm. I actually hate it because to hate something, uh to be so like to hate something, it it kind of it it requires that it's violating something we cherish or love. Yeah. Right. And so I actually, there are certain things where I was like, no, like these are values to me. Like these people, I will not dishonor them or like myself, like, no, no, no. Like I see how it's compromising my hopes and dreams and who I long to be. Um, and I was like, no, I, I, I hate it. I'm still using it. But like just getting to the point where it's like, I, I hate you. I, I hate you porn. Yeah. You know, that was actually really significant because then I could step back and ask the question. I was like, okay, what is it violating that I love?
0: Yeah, that so that's interesting the way you frame that because uh, we have people who, who, we I mean, you know, we're having hundreds of conversations on Instagram a day right now. And one thing that we do see pretty regularly is guys saying, I know I shouldn't be watching it. I know it's bad for me, but I actually love watching it. I actually yes. love pornography, yes. you know, because it's been, such a savior quote unquote for them a source of comfort peace whatever it is and the thrill and the pleasure and all of that i i remember in my recovery journey i i don't know that i had a moment where it was like you know what porn is so terrible i hate porn like i don't know that i had that moment but i do remember um and you know the the episode that we did in march the one that kind of took off we talked about how spiritual disciplines and kind of the whole the whole idea of relationship with God really is to foster that that sense of intimacy like legitimate intimacy where it's like I know God and God knows me. And mm-hmm. I I do remember reaching a point in my recovery where I felt so in love with God that I I despised or I felt the need to to defend the relationship against anything that would harm it. So like I remember being in the theaters watching a movie, and the movie wasn't even that crude. There wasn't nudity, but there was just something about it that I was like, man, if if Jesus was sitting beside me, I don't think we'd be watching this movie. You know, like just yeah. that kind. Of, it, it was just uh, just past that line, and I was like, well, I'm gonna. I don't care that I spent the money on it. I, we were only twenty minutes in. I, I think I was actually watching that one on my own, and I just I got out of the theater because it wasn't worth the the damage it could cause to my relationship with him. And that's what pornography started to become—one of those things as well, where it was like, I I love God too much, or I love, and I love what I'm experiencing with Him too much to let something as stupid as pornography get in the way of it. So it wasn't necessarily a disdain for porn um, overtly, but it was sort of covertly to protect what I was cultivating in my relationship with God. That's
1: really good because you—it's it, a—it's it's a different angle the same thing cuz you were saying i love cuz you discovered what you love and you were seeing how pornography or just um your sexual identity your sexual passions being exploited um and you actively engaging that exploitation actually violated something that was more important to you
0: yeah right and exactly so like, that's
1: really that's really cool it's a similar i i i had to i like before i could be I got to the part where I could say, I hate porn. I did have to, I had to do a lot of work to ask myself the question, why do I love porn? I did mm-hmm. have to, I had to go, it was like, oh, it's like, well, it, it, it loves me no matter what I, uh, no matter my attitude, like yeah. it always caters to me. It it uh, It's there in the morning to greet me for the day. It's there when I'm sad, it always picks me up. It's there at night to tuck me into bed right? Uh, it doesn't care what I look like, smell like, whatever. It yeah. always just adores me, you know? And yeah. just like going through that and like actually anthropomorphizing it that way, it's like, okay, like what, what about it? Like tethers me relationally to this thing. And it's like, oh, like these are the ways it's a pseudo gospel, right? A counterfeit gospel yeah. to me. Like I I am experiencing bad news. Like, oh, I don't believe I'm lovable. And then pornography says, no, but you are. No, but you are come be with me. Right.
0: Huh.
1: Like, Oh, like I'm, I'm afraid of going through today. What's well, like, well, I have good news, right? Come here. I have stimulation for you. You know,
0: right?
1: Um, I don't know how to go to sleep. It's okay. I will tuck you in, you know, like I will keep you company. Huh. Uh, so there's always like this, this, this good news that it was feeding me, but I first had to like take a step back and be like, okay, well, what is that? Like, what, what am I, what do I love? You know? And like, what is the bad news that I'm avoiding and medicating myself with, and then I could start seeing how I was actually exploiting the things that were real, that were yeah. real, like the people actually around me, my actual life, my actual development. And then I could say, no, I, I do. I, I hate. I hate you. <laughs> you know, like this is you're violating what's what's true and what's real. But that it's was a- that was yeah. Those were the steps for me. Go ahead, Cynthia. Well,
0: it's, it's interesting that even on your side of it, there, there's a commonality here, which is that it's, I don't think anybody's getting free just because they hate porn so much. It's, it's that there's a, a reshuffling of their value system where they prioritize something else more than whatever it is that porn is providing for them. Right. And I think that's really powerful. What you said earlier, you're, uh, quoting Kurt Thomas, you can't become what you can't imagine. And I was wondering Shane, if you could share what exactly you started to imagine or how how you even start to imagine a different life or being a different person because one of the things that guys really have a hard time answering when we get on a call with them is what does your life look like when you get free of porn because mm-hmm. we can talk about all the damage it's caused you and how terrible porn's been been to you and how your life's about to fall apart those are important things that we you know we need to cover in our conversation but ultimately we need to know where's this thing going. And the goal cannot be to just quit porn. There's got to be more to the story than that. There is more to the story. I think sometimes people just are blinded because porn's been in their life for so long. They, they can't even imagine life without it. How did you start to imagine a, a different life and becoming a different person?
1: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, Cynthia. So I suppose like the, the mission or vision of the naked gospel is to learn how to live as sexed image bearers of God um and that that genuinely captivates the heck out of me or it's like yeah i i i struggle with like uh my own masculinity all all the time you know yeah. almost all the time i struggle with feeling like i'm uh you know maybe just like i guess to put it bluntly a waste of life you know like just i think there are a couple different ways of approaching the 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 your question and all of them are really good but i think that they're all person specific so for instance i was talking with a buddy the other day um a a really powerful question for me if somebody asked me this question like hey like in the last week or in the last month or in the last year what are some regrets that you have well that would i would i would that would give me a lot of um imaginative content where it's like okay like i hurt these people right? Like I went against my word here. I failed in these assignments. I wanted to do this and didn't. And so like somebody could help me start crafting imagination for the kind of human being that I long to be, but don't know how to, I don't know how to integrate. Um, they could, they could ap- approach me that way, but I was with a buddy the other day. I asked him that question and he was just like, yeah, I don't really struggle with regret, you know? And I was just like, that's, a, that's a kind of existence I can't relate with. But, um, <laughs> But I just turned it around. I was like, when you look into the future, what are some things that totally immobilize you that just scare the crap out of you? You know? Yeah. And then you have a lot of content there, like so <laughs> much. Right. Um, whereas for me, I'm like, well, why would I worry about the future? It's like this, it's the nothing is set in stone, so there's nothing to accuse me. Whereas the past, it's like I can't ever go back and change that. So it's, it's only an accuser. And yeah. I need to constantly work on my relationship with the past. Whereas for him, he was like, Oh no, like I. I have a pretty good relationship with the past, but it's the future that really freaks me out. And I was like, okay, like there's a certain sort of man that you long to be as you step into situations, and you're terrified that you won't be that human being. Yeah, uh, and so we can we can build from there. Um, so I think there are a couple of different ways of going about it, and I I think all of them are valuable, but I, for different people they're gonna they're gonna find it to be valuable in different ways. But for me, I I really long to be. I really long to be safe. Uh, yeah. That that's safe. I want to be safe. I have three sisters, no brothers biologically. I have. I just grew up helping my sisters dress for prom and pick out shoes and like <laughs> you know they're they female friends and then and I, I, I still feel like a kinship with with women in a way that I don't with men because typically because they're a little bit more honest about. Uh, what they're feeling, and that's like yeah. that's helpful for me. And just like I, I like looking at like, be like, oh, like that scares me, that frightens me. Where it's hard, for, hard for me to have masculine relationships that that go into those waters. Whereas like female friends, I I really appreciate their candor about emotional realities. Um, but like Kaylee and I, we disciple two two women, two young, just, they're just girls, yeah. um and I love them so much and them and so many other women i just want to be safe for them but then there are other guys and i want to be safe for them i don't want to be a hypocrite i don't want to be um i really hate it when i know how to talk about jesus better than i know how to follow him yeah it's like i don't like that so much um (laughs) and so i think those are two things Where it's like yeah like I, i want to be able to give a a truth that i I strive after that. I, I follow after yeah. until uh, like, I want to be, I want to be safe. Like I want to be, uh, I just really loved how safe Jesus was. He's yeah. just safe relationally. And uh, I want to have that clarity of conscience. Um, Man, but okay. how about you? I'd, I'd be curious. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say side note. So I, uh, I, I will answer your question, but side note, cause you just mentioned something that I've been really challenged by lately, which is interacting with young women and, I feel, I guess I'm at a, I'm at, I'm 33. I just turned 33. So, uh, well, you know, with, uh, May 11th, just, just, uh, like, dude, a, yeah, I turned 33 May 18th. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Dude. That's I'm, a one so week, fun. I'm exactly a week older. I had no idea. Yeah, you I mean, are. There you go. So, that's uh, so, okay. Sorry. So we're, we're the, we're the same age, literally same territory. And for me, I'm just becoming keenly more aware that of how I'm perceived. Like I'm no longer, I can no longer pass for being in my twenties. Right. I, that's probably been true for a couple of years, but I'm, I'm more aware of it now. And when, when I'm like, even just as an example, the gym that I work out at, I go, um, I go around noon cause I, I like working out when there's not people around, but. Mm. Now, like people are like skipping school a bit more and school's almost done here. So there's a lot more like teenagers, high school age. And I've noticed myself feeling really uncomfortable around teenage girls because I don't because it's from a similar value system, but a, a lower degree of personal security where it's like, I don't um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know how they I don't know how they perceive me. And I, you know, there's nothing like sexual or romantic. I'm not like struggling with like lustful feelings around them. But I also know that, like, uh, in our society, we're very protective now of minors, as we should be. And I never want to have an interaction that makes them feel unsafe. And I realize, like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to do that's normal around people that age, like it's just I guess it's just uncovering like this, uh, the stage of life. So I'm like more just keeping my head down because I don't want to like look at them and give like the friendly smirk. And then them think I'm like some creep <laughs> that's checking them out. At the You know what I mean? Even though I, I do yeah. that normally, like, if I go for yeah. a walk in my neighborhood, I'm just saying hi to people. But yeah. I find myself in some of these environments, or I mean it's not just the gym. The gym's kind of a heightened environment, but even in my sure. neighborhood, I, I'm having the same wrestle. How how have you worked through that? Because you said you're you guys are mentoring a couple a couple younger women. Um maybe that maybe the nature of that relationship is just different. It's a bit more inviting, but I don't know. How how are you how are you working through that? And I, I know this is a total tangent, but i I have to imagine I'm not the only guy who's had these thoughts before. No, not at all. No way. Um we are
1: Designed to be in relationship and my wife, Kaylee, like she's not supposed to be a catch all for every relationship. That is right. like so unfair to be like, Hey, like be the only person, the only woman who like can satisfy all of my re- relational wants and needs. It's like, no, like if, like Shauna, uh, sorry, Kaylee is like very supportive of my relationship with like my biological sisters, right. As well as like other women in our faith community who have been mothers, you know, I think of like Paul writing to Timothy where he says, treat older women as mothers, treat younger women as sisters. Um, They're the church, like Christians are Christians are family. We are family. So yeah, like scripture might like begin and end with union, like marriage. For sure. But even those things are like, uh, there are other metaphors for our relationship with God in the eschaton. But what's not a metaphor, the one thing that does transcend the ages is that you are my brother. Right. You know, like Kaylee is my sister. I, I she I won't actually be married to her in the eschaton. And the consummation of the ages, like I won't be married to her. My my truer relational identity with her is like, yeah, like we're, we're siblings in the household of faith. Right. Um. And so learning to put that on, um, I am a male friend. I'm a, a husband. I'm a son. I'm a brother. And realizing that I have a sexed, a sexed identity that isn't just erotic, you know, yeah, um, has been really liberating for me, especially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I started practicing it when I was single. I started like, oh, like I have female there are females around me that like i want to get to know that isn't just erotic it's not just lustful. yeah and so i'd I'd like ask them to like go and study or something like that and i'd be really really clear like very upfront to be like hey like i'm not working an angle i i don't have romantic feelings i just think you're a really cool human being and i think your presence would add to my life you know yeah Uh, I just, like, fumble around with stuff like that. And it went really, 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 really well. Like, so well. Like, so many of them just, like, developed respect for me. And, like, I got to practice, like, very platonic and safe relationships. And uh, so much so that, like, Kaylee is, like, very supportive still because she's seen me steward that for years, you know? Right. And even at our marriage, like, uh, at our wedding, I didn't have just groomsmen. You know, like I had women stand up there with me because I haven't just been shaped by men, you know, wow. I've been shaped by men and women. And Kaylee, again, was really supportive of all of that yeah, uh, because cool. she's seen the integrity of it over. Yeah. And she's a big part of that. Like I developed a platonic relationship with Kaylee before, you know, and I would check in with her, you know, for like the first year or two of our just like, hey, like, where are you at? Are we still okay? Like, uh, we're are we still friends? Like, what's going, you know? Yeah. And I just would never try and leave things in sh- like ever shadowed. Um, so for me, it is a practice. It's something that I get on my knees about and talk to Jesus. And yeah, so uh, yeah. I don't know how it works for other people, but that's how it's been for me. I, I don't actually know yeah. if I answered your question or not. Did I answer your you
0: question? Did. You definitely did answer okay. the question. Yeah. I think that's okay. cool that. Um, that kaylee's been so involved in that aspect of your life i mean granted she would have to be i suppose um when you're married if you're gonna have platonic relationship with other women it's uh it's good good that your wife's in the know and supportive but um but i think i think that's really cool so anyways we we, we veered off a little bit but the circling back to the the vision part of it did you did you ever find it difficult to imagine yourself being being that person who was free, like when you were struggling, because I, I, I imagine a lot of our audience maybe would hear us talk about this stuff and say, "Well, that's easy for you guys because you know it's not in your life anymore." Um, I know for me, when I was when I was struggling with addiction, I always had a vision of what my life could be. It, it was one of the most compelling parts of my recovery. It was thinking about being able to help other guys, creating platforms like this podcast that we're talking on and social media and all that stuff like dreaming about getting a message out there that would be of value to the world. Um, and then I was dreaming about having a healthy marriage. You know, those are my two things, uh, that were really compelling me and part of the vision. Um, and I didn't have to work too hard to really formulate those things. Like that, those dreams were, were within me and Mm -hmm. there were definitely some days where they didn't feel very plausible, but the desires were always there. Were, were your desires always there? Cause I, I know you shared what the, what they were, but were, were they generally there um, or did you have to chisel at them a little bit before you could really uncover them?
1: Yeah. Great question.
0: I think that they were always
1: there. They're just warps. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah. I think um, I did the, the, the refining, the chiseling did have to take place with, okay, what, what do you love what do i love that pornography is exploiting you know like what is it giving me but is really just a tarnished maligned version it's a truncated Mm. version of whatever that that thing might be so like female relationships right yeah um and 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 then, wh- how is that? Pardon the language, but a bastardized version, right? Like, how is that a, a malign, debased version? Um, and that that helps me be like, oh, like I hate, I hate you. Yeah, I hate you because you're you're exploiting what I really love, you know. But mm. I did have to do that work. It reminds me there of, uh, let's see, Romans one, where it's it's talking about like the kind of devolution of how we like send ourselves into existence from from what we were supposed to be. And it talks about uh, one of the steps is exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Um, which is always very striking. It's like, okay, where, where am I looking for the gospel? You know, where, where am I looking for good news? Um, because when I do that, I'm exchanging the truth of God. I like, well, God, you can't help me here. You know, yeah. Uh, this thing can, this thing is more powerful than you. The This yeah. porn is Lord. Yeah. Porn is Lord pornography. Mm. Um and so yeah, I I just doing that sort of work was really important. <laughs> I was very honest as it's, it's confessional language. It's like, I'm so sorry, God. <laughs> um and just be like, wow, like I don't want to do that. Like I don't, you know, and there's there's so much like liberation in that. I think of the first John of like if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship with one another. You know, in yeah. the blood of Jesus, his Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's really just like, yeah, like just living in the light like brings its own sort of its own sort of liberation. um but living in the light is terrifying. It's so scary, yeah, it's so scary but I I um I think a lot of people invalidate. I did validate what I have to say because I'm married probably more often than like, Oh, you're not watching porn. It's more like you're married. I was like, well, you get to have sex, you know? Right. And therefore what you have to say, like the, what you, what, what you struggled with is invalidated. Um, which is a, which is a bummer. Cause that's such a, a gnarly myth that like all your, cause like lust and love aren't the same thing. And pornography is not a placeholder. Like it actually like replaces your libido, which is really wild. Um, so I, I what what's the question in here? So the I wanna how did Jesus, so you, I know like you similar to me, were trapped for a long time. And how did you really start to what was because you had said earlier that there was no real transition of going from like having maybe a negative a negative approach to like a positive vision? Um, but I would I would be interested because there there's oftentimes I think that the devil and God are saying the same thing. Uh they're just saying it drastically differently. Hmm. Um, the devil will be pointing to something. They're both pointing to the same thing, but the devil's pointing and saying, Look at that thing. Like you did it again. You piece of trash, you'll always be stuck. This is right. all you're worth. You know, where God's looking at He's like, hey, buddy, like that's I, I'm showing this to you because I'm showing you what you're not. Like mm. come come be with me, right? Like I am showing you what you don't have to be stuck in, what you don't have to be trapped in. Yeah. Um, and so they're pointing the same thing, but like it's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Yeah. Condemnation says this is you'll always be stuck in this. And conviction says you don't have to be stuck in this. Yeah. Um, and so I would be interested, like when that the, how how did hope start to come into your life? when it came to like sexual integrity was like, I, yeah, I long, I long to be more like I I'm stuck and I'm tired of hating on myself to try and get free.
0: Yeah. Well, I think hope is gradual. It's not like you're hopeful or you're not hopeful in a binary sense. And I, I know for me, I always had a degree of hope now, granted it was, it was pretty small in some of my darker seasons, but I always had hope that it was possible and and I think if we're being honest, every guy does. Even the guys who say, I feel totally hopeless, the feeling is legitimate. But if we got deep enough, there would be at least a degree of hope that it would be possible to get free. Otherwise people wouldn't listen to our podcast and they wouldn't follow us on social media and whatever else. Mm. I think that hope is, is real and it's very helpful. And uh, for me, it was about stewarding the little until it became more. Like it's that same biblical principle usually it's discussed more in the context of opportunity professionally or finances or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's all the same even just with hope if you have even the slightest bit of hope that you can get free you just have to jealously guard it so for me it meant even when i was trying the more frivolous solutions like the you know like ramping up my spiritual disciplines willpower filters i think those were those those always gave me a little injection of hope and the reason that they failed me personally is because the result did not match the level of expectation or hope that i had for them but um, it didn't it didn't fan my or it didn't put out my flame altogether either i still had hope that it was possible i just knew i needed to find something different and that's like a that was a very conscious thing that did not happen naturally if i just looked at what was happening before me i had every reason to think i would be a hopeless addict the rest of my life But it was it was just the concerted effort of Sathya, you've overcome things before. God is on your side. You can figure this out. You just haven't figured it out yet. And kind of fanning the flame of hope, you know, again and again. And then what happened eventually as I started to actually get to the more underlying causes is that that tiny little flicker starts to become a legitimate fire, you know, and it starts to grow bigger and bigger because now. Now you're not just encouraging yourself, you're actually seeing evidence that it is actually true. And those expectations you're setting are getting met by the outcome. So a very gradual process. And I would say even now, having not watched in seven years, that fire still continues to burn bigger and brighter, um, but it's it's the, the scope of it is different. It's no longer hope that I, I'll quit porn, but it's hope that I can walk in greater levels of integrity and freedom. and. Maybe figure out how to be around 13-year-old girls without feeling awkward. Like maybe that's that's the next step of my fire getting bigger. But mm-hmm. there's there's always something, right, that's gonna keep growing, that's gonna help me um become more of that person. And so I think I think it's an ongoing process. We're constantly stewarding the hope that's in our lives.
1: Hmm. Yeah, how do you how do you help other people discover the hope that they have? I'd be curious to, you know, yeah. it's, how do you help people discover? A positive vision, like find yearning, find longing that isn't um just to get off sexually, you know? yeah, um, well, I so let me let me say this real quick. So I sure. think I, I'd heard there were two I think there were two like two youth 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 pastors, and they were sitting down with a group of guys. and the group of guys were talking about like how many women they've had sex with and how many women they. Were having sex with at the same time and just different things it's a very beat up situation and the youth pastors they they, they they was they're saying that like in in real time they're thinking like oh my gosh like we need to like correct them we need to like you know like set them right and true this is so wrong and uh And they decided not to do that. They kind of just stopped themselves and forced themselves to pray for a moment. And then one of them was just like, hey, like, I just started sharing the story about, he started sharing the story with these youth these youth kids about how there was this guy who met his wife and they were faithful to each other. And they went on all these adventures to each other. And they went through a lot of hard times, but they never left each other, you know. And then years later, when, when one of them is dying from cancer, the other one's there, you know, and just like never leaves the bed and... He really looks at them. He looks at the guys, he's just like, "Hey, like, which one would you rather have? Like, a life filled with just sexual partners and orgasms, or like this sort of relationship over here?" And the guys were like, the the youth kids were like, start like dumbstruck, huh. and they just started sharing how like they couldn't even really like orgasm anymore. Like they didn't get off to like sex, and it wasn't erotic. It wasn't fulfilling, and they just like all they're just like, "We want that." Wow. You know, it was really like striking. It was like, oh, like they gave them a positive vision. They didn't just say, like, shame on you. Don't do that. They said, well, okay, like that's up to you. It's up to you. We'll we'll give you, we'll dignify you with agency, but we'll tell Dang. you what's what you could have and what's the cost, right? Yeah. Like, what's at stake in all of this? So I'd be really curious to hear, like, and that's like, I, I can't shake that story. It's like, I want that. So I want to be able to really just cast a positive vision so like how do you help people discover their own hope and discover a positive vision
0: yeah well i think it actually comes back to what we were talking about earlier you have to learn to um, to re-engage the imagination and i think what happens for a lot of christians is the imagination has been a source of so much lust and fantasy and whatever that it we kind of forget that actually this is like a God-given mechanism that can be used for good. I like to call it the sanctified imagination. And I would say to this day, it's something I'm still working on. I'm definitely not perfect in this arena. But that's the biggest thing is we're trying to like, I'm asking questions, trying to get people to imagine again. So like one of my favorite questions to ask, and you can ask this a hundred different ways, is just what, like describe to me your porn-free life. What does it look like? What are you What are you doing? And this is where we often get the blank looks of like, porn has been in my life for so long, I don't even know how to do that. So, yeah. you know, then you're kind of giving examples and it's like, well, are you more involved in your church? What happens in your marriage? Or if they're single, what kind of a marriage do you envision happening one day? Like we're, we, we'll we'll sprinkle some examples in there. But um, I, uh, I found that's actually really helpful is, number one is sort of the removal of constraint because, anytime we are lacking hope it's because of the presence of some constraint and usually it's self-imposed we've put the constraint in there so you know like in a business context like when we're trying to go the business like the question that my coaches are asking me are if money was not an issue if you had the funds for it how would you do xyz how would you grow this thing so it's super helpful to just sometimes give yourself permission to imagine without the hindrance and in, in our case now contextually it's being porn free But then the other thing for me that's been really helpful, uh, like this is why I love spending time with someone like you or Drew or people that are, are dreamers, that are deep thinkers, people that are further ahead than me in certain areas, is it it actually fuels my imagination i'm i'm reminded Mm. of what's possible when i'm around you because sometimes i can't come up with it myself or sometimes the answer of what would you do if funds weren't an issue my answer is actually pretty pathetic because i haven't been around enough people who can force me to dream bigger and it's Mm. why we always tell people on this podcast like one of the best things you can do in recovery is listen to other people who have already recovered because you're going to learn so much from their experiences for starters but secondly, you, you just that continual reminder that this is possible and look at what he's doing now and be reminded of where your life could go and what it could look like. It's incredibly inspiring. Like the, the heart can't help but come alive when it's constantly being exposed to stories like that. So mm-hmm. I would say those are the two big things for me that kind of foster imagination. One is the it's giving yourself permission to dream without the barriers and then I think the second thing is really letting other, letting the dreams of other people inspire you, um, and that's that's a dance, you know, because it could lead into comparison and competition and whatever else. But I think, um, you know, I, I think our audiences both have enough maturity to appreciate that and to be able to do it in a way that's actually really inspiring. Yeah, that's fair. I have like I'm like super conscientious now about my. Monologue earlier
1: about like relationship with females. we like, well, no. Like I, you learn boundaries along the way. You of know? course, like, all of these like we're involved with their parents. I get we get their permission explicitly. Um, yeah, it's you know <laughs> it's always in public places. It's, it's oh, Ill, in my head, Dude, like, all sorts of, of, of caveats. So yeah. I really appreciate <laughs> you. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, what um, what's Yeah, you can't become what you can't imagine, and you can't imagine if you don't dare hope. Um I think all of that scans what uh, how are you imagining or hoping like what do, what how, how how do you want to continue to grow like what are so I can go first with this question if that would be helpful but I I want to know I'll go like first. what Okay yeah, yeah like what's a positive vision that you're that you're looking at and moving towards right now
0: You know what everything has changed for me now that my wife is pregnant
1: Woo-hoo. It,
0: Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Like the kid's not even here yet. Um, I most days it doesn't feel real, you know. It it I I don't think it will until the the baby's actually coming out. That's what most of my guy friends tell me. Uh the women are always quick to correct me. That's not how it works for them. But yes, for guys, I think it takes it just takes those moments before it feels real. But I'm 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 just thinking about family life like obsessively. And uh it's causing me to make some changes in the way I'm running Deep Clean because I want to have more flexibility in my time. So we're doing a bit of a hiring spree right now. So that's like very practical. But then, you know, my wife and I have some traditions like every Saturday morning we have brunch together. And when we sit down and have brunch together now, I'm imagining like the kid in the high chair, you know, and eventually the toddler that's got a seat at the table. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to envision that family dynamic and that's what i'm dreaming about you know it's like anything that you go into for the first time that you've heard a lot about but you've never done it you probably like I, I probably had some unrealistic expectations i probably formulated some prototypes that are not actually going to happen my idea of what i think parenting like is probably totally different than what it's really like i'm very aware of those things but that being said you know i remember people telling. i used to tell people that some of the big things i imagined for marriage like i imagine my wife and i traveling the world together I imagined us, um, you know, having traditions like a date night every week, having brunch in the morning every Saturday. Um, And we had people who were like, oh, yeah, you know, good luck with that. We tried that. It didn't work for us or, you know, tons of projection of people's own experiences. And I'm getting obviously you're going to get tons of that with pretty much any season of life that people have already been through that you haven't. But I'm really bound and determined with some of these pillars to like put a stake in the ground and really build build a family life that I can be proud of, you know? And and so what? So what if some of my expectations are unrealistic or whatever? I think if it's something that means enough to us and it's anchored in a value system that we believe God's given us for our family and the, the lives we want to lead, then we're going to make it happen. And so those are the things that I'm really dreaming about. And it, the cool thing for me is, is how quickly family becomes central because as weird as it as it is to say, like Shalom is everything to me, and marriage has been like it's my most important relationship other than my relationship with God. But if if you look at where I spend my time and the the stuff I'm thinking about, a majority of it is actually spent on deep clean. That's just the way it's been the last couple of years, and that's starting to shift a little bit. Like I can t- I can feel family starting to take that center place, and I am dreaming about what would it look like to continue to reach more men through the podcast and help more guys but not take up more of my time and mental energy. What would it look like for us to, to build a global brand and, you know, and still protect my family? What would it look like for my kids to maybe be involved in the business one day or to show, at least show them how, how a business could run and inspire them. Like it's, it's just starting to become more central. Like we're, we're getting more involved in our church. So what's it going to look like for our kids to maybe participate in the church one day? And I mean, it's just, it's all across the board, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's super exciting, but it's a totally different train of thought for me, so it's it's been really stretching as well, but those are some of the things that that we're dreaming about
1: that is cool, yeah, because there's an aspect a major aspect of parenthood where you're you're having to dream for someone else mm-hmm. right or it's like, okay, like wh- Where do you want to grow up? I can't really ask you. So this is probably the best place for you to grow up. Like what sort of games, what sort of sports, what sort of environment and friends and et cetera. And a lot of that is, uh, is the early steps of parenting. I really liked on our, I was thinking about this the other day about, uh, about when you were single and you had your, you know, just like, it was like, well, yeah, in the mornings, this is what I do. I spend time with God. This is how I spend the beginning of every morning. And then people had uh, said to you, well, just wait till you get married. That stuff will fall away pretty quick. And then you got married yeah. and you're like, well, it, it didn't. Thank God, you know? And yeah. I just, I just loved that. And you're like, well, now people are saying, well, wait till you have kids, you know? And it just, yeah, like, exactly. Well, I, yeah, it's like I don't know. He's he's been faithful to keep these things so far, and I, I don't want to be cynical about them. And I, I think I really just like I like it when somebody sticks it to the man, you know. So just hearing <laughs> you be like, "Well, no, no, it's uh, it didn't, it didn't go away." Thank you very much. So yeah, I, I really right. admire your devotion to him. And yeah. I think I hear a lot of elements of like, no, like I want to sexual integrity right now means, um preemptively being a good father by being maybe even like a a better husband or more attentive just reallocation of time towards just being with my wife and dreaming with her and being with her um I like that I like it a lot am I am I hearing you right are we hearing you right 100%
0: oh 100% man yeah how about for you what what are you dreaming about and what do you got your sights set on
1: First of all, thank you so much for sharing. That's some really tender stuff. And it is really, thank you for sharing yourself with us, man.
0: Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Um,
1: Let's see. Sexual integrity, positive vision. So relationships is a big part. So like uh, in the early days of my um, learning to practice positive vision, I just knew that, okay, I'm single and I'll go home and I'll be by myself. And if like practicing the opposite of if um, being lonely pushes me towards pornography or having too much time on my hands pushes me towards pornography and pornography teaches me a really broken, beat up version of relationships, then then I'll start scheduling relationships with people through the week and I'll just go to like families' houses and I'll see how they do family. And mm. I actually intentionally found families who had invited me over in the past and I hadn't said yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I knew that if I went over there, it wouldn't demand anything from me. I would just be able to rest with their family. Yeah. Yeah. Through a meal, through watching, whatever. And I, I, I started practicing that a lot and that's how I got back into relationships. Um, and that, that was, yeah, that was an, an important formational aspect of like my healing journey. Um, I would say right now I discovered there are two things. One, I want to be better husband to Kaylee Kaylee and I move around a lot because she's a travel nurse and I just, I need to support her better. I need to yeah. be, I need to support her better. Um, And I don't have a lot of imagination for that yet, but I have uh, a pretty intense desire to do it. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really
0: grateful That's for cool. That. Yeah.
1: And then the second one is, um, the a major crux of my social anxiety is that i uh i see people hurt and i don't know what to do with their hurt
0: hmm.
1: i look in their eyes and i see them hurt and oftentimes it seems like they look back into my eyes and they see that i can see them hmm. and there's this like desire from them to come like you can know me like yeah. come know me you see me, like come see me, and I don't know what to do with that. So like that first layer of just seeing people and not really knowing what to do with what they feel, yeah. um, how disconnected they they are from one another, and then them realizing that and this implicit implicit beg to come and see them and know them, and so I I that's probably 90% of my social anxiety. I just don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to manage that. Yeah. Um and so integrity, relational integrity right now is you know like you have to know the bad news before you can you can start moving towards good news. Yeah. And uh and I'm really grateful. I think I've I've hidden from that and just called it like social anxiety.
0: For a long yeah. time, which has
1: been like, it has like no explanatory power. Like, well, what the heck does that even mean? It's like, you you just trapped in it forever? It's like, well, no, like I, oh, I see people hurt and that frightens me because yeah. that feels like responsibility and I don't know what to do with that responsibility. So I run away from it, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, that's much more revealing. And, <laughs> uh, and, and we can engage that, you know, like we can engage that. So I started sitting down with like people and just asking them. Yeah, I've, I've started seeking wisdom. It's been really good. That's amazing. um, so those are those are two ways that uh, right now I am being shown to make me a positive vision, of, yeah, like what the problem is, but also hope and how to move through it.
0: so yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool asking. no, it's really cool it it and it it's a cool demonstration of how unique and uh, unique vision is, you know, because when I think sometimes people feel like maybe they're supposed to have a specific dream or, you know, your vision for your life or what you're working towards should look a certain way, but it really is so different. You know, um, even just hearing the way you and I described what we're aiming towards, it's actually super different. You know, you're, uh, you have some really cool concepts and um like very value-driven ideas and not to say mine aren't value-driven either, but uh, we think about them differently. So I hope it's an encouragement to the listeners that you know, whatever comes to mind, it's right. You know, these are God-given desires. These are things that he's forming within us that we get to sort of uncover and discover as time goes on. So don't judge it, you know, just embrace it. But these things can be so powerful for driving us forward because, uh, you know, like uh, I I forget if you quoted this off camera or if this was during the interview now, it's all uh, blending together, but where there's no vision, the people perish, right? The people cast off restraint. And having that, sorry, you didn't quote that. You said uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I was getting my proverbs mixed up. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but uh, you know, that, that idea that like, we really are at our best. Like we, if we really want to thrive in this life um, it's not necessarily even about accomplishing vision. It's actually about the pursuit of it that can be so thrilling and exciting. So Shane, this has been amazing, man. Uh, I always learn so much from you and really appreciate uh, just the value that you bring to my audience and to my own life. So thank you, man. This was a real treat.
1: So the yeah, I do want to reciprocate what you said to me earlier. Like Christ is being formed in us, and and I do need positive visions of how other people are pers- pursuing Him and how like their their imago day is being drawn into the foreground instead of the background of where we've always kept it. And I really right. am encouraged by your example as a man who wants to love God and. Yeah, you do. You do live in the light. And I I really just respect you. Uh, So thank you for being with all of us, both our audiences. And it's really cool to you always handle me well. You know, there's that book handle with care. I always feel like you handle me with care. Um, So thank you. And thanks for letting us see you, man.
0: That's really sweet. And maybe just as a, a last part to just wrap it all up, what's what's going on with Proven Ministries these days? And how can people find out more about you guys and what you're up to?
1: We developed that resource, uh, The Sex Talk, um, where we uh, bought the domain, uh, thesextalk.com. And it cool. is awesome. It's a really cool resource. Uh, Kurt Thompson and some other people, Dan Allender, just different people have partnered with us to help create this resource. And different people we've interviewed over the years and some we haven't. <laughs> and uh, they, The Sex Talk is really intimidating, just generally speaking. Um, Parents kind of offload it to like youth pastors or pastors and just don't know how to do it. So that's a resource that we created recently. Hmm. Um otherwise, still loving the naked gospel and the interviews we get to do. Uh, have some really cool ones coming up this summer that I'm excited for. And I actually am really excited for my next conversation with you. Cause hopefully I don't, I guess this is a bit premature, but I, I really want to talk through genres in pornography like not all porn yes. is created equal and I want to yeah like everyone has specific genres whether they know it or not that they go to when they watch porn I I I do and uh, and so does everyone else and they exist for a reason and I, I want to process that with you which is a conversation we've never had before and I'm, yeah. re- I'm really excited for it.
0: That's going to be fun, man. We'll we'll put a link to thesextalk.com. Uh, that's an incredible resource. I'm getting a lot of questions from parents lately, so it's just even just good for me to know. And your podcast is amazing. You really do bring on some incredible guests, so uh, we'll put a link to that as well. Shane, thank you for your time today, man. Appreciate you, bro.
1: Good to be with you, Sethia.
0: Oh, man. Well, I always enjoy talking to Shane. He's such a good guy, and I really... um. I really was was happy with how the conversation went. When we only set out to talk about the one subject, I was a bit nervous that we were gonna run out of stuff to say and uh, we didn't. Um, and uh, partially thanks to my my random tangent about being around young girls at the gym. Uh, super, super random, but hey, welcome to the podcast. You never know exactly what you're gonna get here. Um, guys, links are in the show notes to the sex talk. If you are a parent, this is a no brainer. You need to go get that program, get your hands on it. and and execute it because i again i've said this before but if we are going to get free if we are really going to create a society that does not engage in pornography with regularity then our kids have to be the ones who actually change that narrative not the adults so if you're a parent you have a responsibility here and this course is very affordable and it just might change your life so link is there and again their their podcast is phenomenal as well i mean the, some of the guests they land are just incredible and i know that you guys would benefit a lot from uh i believe it's called naked gospel so links are there and if you're listening to this and you're you're maybe realizing okay this is awesome this is super helpful but i need something more i can't just listen to a podcast and expect to get free i need to legitimately quit pornography well i want to let you know that this is our specialty we do not take the shortcut Uh, approach and we don't take a cookie cutter approach either we really believe in personalizing our recovery experience and you have a chance to to really uh walk through that through us our program is called deep clean we help men resolve the root issues of porn and masturbation uh through a three-pillared process if you want to find out more about what we do there's a link in the show notes for you to book a time with someone from our team. But in addition to booking the time, we'll send you a video that explains a bit more about what we do. You can learn all that and um, and then see if this is the right fit and we can talk about what it might look like to work together. So uh, I'd love to see you over there. Um, the the link is in the show notes. Uh, in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within.